0: Hi, I'm Thomas Mumford, Vice President of Exploration for Scotty Resources. We're a junior mining company focused on gold exploration up in the Golden Triangle in southern uh, in central BC.
1: Thomas, nice to meet you. Thank you for the
0: introduction. I'm
1: really looking forward to this conversation because I've been seeing some of your uh, your, your your drill results that you've been putting out over the last years. Um, really spectacular stuff. Could you, as we you know, as a starter point, just give me an introduction how you came to the company?
0: Sure. Yeah, I've been in exploration in Canada for the last 15 years, um, you know, coast to coast. Uh, I did most of my studies in the Eastern Canada. I did an undergrad, graduated, and the market was in a bit of a downturn. So I went back and I did a master's. And then when I graduated again, the cyclical nature, I, it was in a downturn again. And I went back again and did a PhD. And uh, Guess what happened after that? Well, it was a little bit of another downturn and I went off to teach after that. So I ended up in Vancouver uh, teaching at the British Columbia Institute of Technology and ended up running the mining and mineral exploration program, which was an engineering degree and did that for five or six years. Um, But the, the interesting thing there was that there's no research component to that program. So the summers were kind of like a high school teacher, like you had the summers off. So I would go and work for exploration companies just like I did during my master's and PhD. So, you know, actively engaged in grassroots to brownfields exploration, advanced exploration programs for the last 15 years, Um, across Canada, across commodities. So I've done rare earths, uranium, gold, silver, kind of the the full spectrum there. And so I've seen a lot of projects uh, and and been across a lot of Canada exploring. Um, One of my last jobs, uh, summer jobs when I was working at BCIT um, was giving a relogging program on a small historic gold mine up in northwestern BC, uh, which turns out to be Scotty Resources at the time it had a different name and it was about to go through a rebranding. And so I met the CEO Brad Rourke uh, up in the field. You know, it was a team of six of us there. Brad was the cook. His his son was the helper, and we just got to work relogging some of the historic core and. You know, the geology was exceptional. It was a small land package, but it had a lot of upside and a lot of catalysts in the area. Um, You had Ascot at that time doing a full, huge exploration program. You had Predium pushing hard on their Bruce Jack asset, and you had this small pass producing high grade mine in the middle. And, you know, Brad needed some geological expertise, so invited me to come on the team. And I I did that part time for a year and then decided to quit my academic job and come on full-time into the corporate world of junior mining. And when when was that? That would have been twenty twenty eighteen, I guess twenty seventeen, twenty eighteen, something around there. And what was it in the geology
1: that um, made you think this is the time to leap into the corporate world? Or maybe maybe it was in the food that Brad was cooking.
0: <laughs> it wasn't in the food. I can tell you that. Uh, not that bad, Brad's a bad cook. Uh, he makes a mean margarita, but uh, you know his food gets you by in the field. Um, what enticed me was not necessarily just the geology, but the historical context for the exploration of the project. So it was underserved. I could see that readily from the data that was available. The interesting thing was that the closest analog to Scotty um, back then that we know and still today is the SNP mine. And so the SNP mine, uh, super high grade mine um, owned by uh, Skeena right now on, um, on an earning agreement with Hothschild, But it produced 1.1 million ounces at, I want to say, 22 grams uh, gold per tonne. So very high-grade mine, and the closest analog was known to be Scotty. And Scotty pulled out just under 100,000 ounces uh, back in the 80s. But it had very high grades as well. The head grade was in the order of 18 to 20 grams. And it was a vein that was exposed at surface. It was mined underground. And if you took the whole data set of all the drill holes you know, the average drill hole length was only 75 meters which means really that's just production drilling they're just poking along trying to find out which way that vein's going and there was no concerted effort to have a large-scale exploration program on this project other than some you know some surface work so there was a lot of upside for drilling this deposit in a different manner because all the drilling had been done underground and when you're standing on a vein that's been mined it's very hard to really step out and have meaningful step outs on that vein from that that relative position
1: but you know that was the hook that got you in but um in a sense i mean from what i can see from the geology um it, it's not the scotty mine which is keeping you there or rather it's the blueberry contact zone which is the which is the, the kind of the really exciting thing which is uh it's it's not often that in one's life that you get you get to work on a pretty spectacular deposit and it feels as if that is something which is turning into
0: one of those spectacular deposits. Certainly, certainly feels that way. Yeah. You know, we kind of that that exploration upside of, you know, the Scotty Gold Mine, but also the surrounding land. So one of the big breakthroughs we had as a company within, I think it was the first 18 months of us coming on, me coming on, was we acquired a huge land package that surrounded the historic Scotty Gold Mine, and as well as the claim package that held the blueberry vein, which is now the blueberry contact zone. so within that period, we basically expanded the land position and we, we made a really concerted push to a regional exploration program or property scale regional exploration on, on the Scotty Gold Mine. Let's see what's available, what people haven't looked at and looks, let's look at it in a bigger context than individual veins at surface. Um, focused a lot on areas of glacial retreat. That's how we made our domino zone discovery, which is kind of the extension of the Scotty Gold Mine to the other side of the mountain. Um, and then we started pushing on things like the bend vein and then finally the, the blueberry vein as well. And that's where we made our blueberry contact zone discovery. There is an abundance of high-grade mineralization all over the Golden Triangle, particularly in the southern end. And really the, the challenge is coming up with um, a model that explains the mineralization and a model that predicts something larger than just a little squirt here and there of high-grade gold.
1: Um, it almost sounds as if you've taken a systematic approach.
0: Oh, certainly. Yeah, definitely a systematic approach to, to exploration. Um, you know, we started with boots on the ground field work. We reviewed historical geophysics. We did updated geophysical surveys, um, Led that into, you know, very wild, not wildcat, but exploration style drilling on some targets that had mineralization at surface. And then, you know, progressed that along to to what we're doing today.
1: Um, your point about uh, there being a lot of high-grade gold in in the southern end of the the Golden Triangle is is really interesting because what that means is that there's a lot of smoke, there's a lot of uh, things that you can chase, you can you can dry out your, you can run out of capital, you can um, run out of gas, uh, chasing things which are these little squibs, these little squirts. I think was the word he used to kind of mineralization, but actually they don't hang together. They're never going to make it as a um, Coherent or kind of continuous uh, resource potential um, how do you how do you make that leap from kind of observation to kind of a, a, a geological model and and have you got there yet at the at the contact zone or the blueberry contact zone
0: yeah we've certainly got there at blueberry. Um, it is an interesting area of the world to work um, you know every once in a while we get a geologist that's worked in northern Ontario, northern Quebec. Uh, where exposures are quite a bit poor and the grades don't need to be as high to make something economic as they do in the golden triangle. And they see some of our surface samples out there and, you know, why aren't you drilling that? Why aren't you drilling that? And, you know, then I run them down the list of all the targets that I do want to drill and the rationale for why these are kind of on the back burner for now while we advance these targets. Um, So how to advance those, how to uh, kind of sift through the smoke to find out where the fire is burning um it's a, it's a it's a process um i think it starts with you know identifying high grade mineralization which is usually done through either soil sampling or a grab sample and then we go back in and we try to look to see what we can ex- use to explain that 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 high grade sample you know and maybe that lends itself to chip sampling or channel sampling some other surficial work to justify that this target has a little bit more strike length or a little bit more width than than other targets in the area, and we work that at, work that up that way, and then eventually progress to you know, kind of a maiden drill hole on that target itself. And if that kind of fills itself as fruitful, then we continue that along uh, the exploration pathway. We are now, you know, four years into kind of that process at Blueberry and it has been holding in exceptionally well and much larger than we initially anticipated, to be honest.
1: And, and Blueberry, I see you've changed the, the, the language or the vocabulary from uh, the Blueberry vein to the Blueberry contact zone. Can you just talk to me through that, that process of, of changing understanding?
0: Sure. I'm just going to share my screen and show a couple of slides that will kind of depict that pretty well. In 2018 2019, we were looking around trying to find out what other mineralization in the area was kind of similar style to what we had at Scotty. So, Scotty is a set of uh, parallel, near vertical, pure type pyrite rich veins with quartz carbonate shear bands in them. Very high grade gold, as I mentioned before. And there's a well known vein at surface that occurs just two kilometers to the northeast of the Scotty gold mine and just off of the road. So, that dark black line there. That is the, the the Grand Duke Hall Road. So it used to be the hall road for a copper mine, yep. which you can see just up in the northern end of that figure. Yep. So the blueberry vein outcrops at surface uh, was known about since the late 70s, early 80s. Pure type pyrite um, dips moderately to the northwest. So we're looking at about a 50 degree dip to the northwest and it goes from about 30 centimeters to about four meters in width at surface and then kind of pinches out to the northeast. Well known vein, nice strike extent, and very high grade. Um, Grab samples at surface are in the orders of uh, 100 grams per ton. We wanted to see how far it went down, you know, down dip, and see if we could find any extensions to it laterally or at depth. Uh, We drilled this hole. This was the last hole of a 2000 meter drill program in 2019. So we tested three targets that year. This was the the third target that we tested. The other two were the Scotty Goldmine and the Ben Vein. And it had been drilled before. The blueberry vein had been drilled before, but only to a depth of about 45, 50 meters. So we were trying to see if it went down to about 100. So I don't, I can't remember exact depth that this was targeting, but 75 or 100 meters. And we drilled it. Um, and this was kind of the first years of the big delays in in labs, yeah. um, kind of around COVID times. Yeah. So it was months before we got the results. And being the last hole of the year, it was the last results that we got. And we've been, we've taken that the approach of sampling everything from top to bottom. You know, there's a lot of things that were missed in the geological record, just because people were very exclusive on where they, they sampled. And the fact that the veins here are so obvious with this puretite pyrite um, sulfide matrix that, you know, there was a lot of unsampled material in previous drilling. So we sampled everything top to bottom. There was a zone of mineralization. There was some disseminated puritite and pyrite in it uh, and a really dark, uh, cloddy black chloride, Um in, this, in the unit above where the intersection with the vein was. And we sampled it, and we didn't think too much of it until we got the results back, and it was a very consistent, well mineralized interval. Um, and so we hit this. We knew then that, you know, there was mineralization style that was not just vein associated or vein hosted, and that we didn't know what it was related to. So this. This is kind of like the smoldering discovery at Blueberry was this first hole. Yeah. And we didn't really realize where it was a discovery until it was a couple of years into it. It's so the following
1: year. I'm, we- I'm always a, I, I'm a firm believer in that discoveries
0: or discovery holes are only recognized in retrospect. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So we went in the year after, uh, we did a big surface program on this area, very targeted. We drilled to the north and drilled to the south, we did a very tight spacing, so 25 to 50 meter spacing between holes, pierce points along it. We had a suspicion there was a north-south structure there based on historic sampling in the area. Um, and when we drilled it, we we realized that, yeah, there was something happening here other than just the the mineralization associated with the vein. Um, this interval just south of the vein, 22 grams over six meters, that's only 15 meters from surface there. Very high grade intercept, very short drill holes. Yeah. We then took this information, and the most important thing was that we came away with a real new geological model for the area that explained this high-grade mineralization. And that was that there's a contact running basically north-south, kind of in the center of this mineralized zone, and it is a contact between Andesite on the west side, which is what hosts the Scotty Gold Mine, and Siltstone on the east side. And from that, we're like, okay, so if this contact is the main controlling feature and that this this vein that we see is maybe some sort of secondary feature, maybe it's some sort of tensional gash in the in the rocks that just kind of filled up with the mineralizing fluid that was flowing along the contact, then where would you go looking for it next? Where would you try to show the size of this? So we said, well, the easiest place would be to drill some really short holes along strike. So let's go to the north and to the south. So right along the road, we can we know exactly where that that contact outcrop. Sorry, sorry that, that, that gold band you've got in the middle, that's not... Yes. Th-
1: that's not one that's, geological unit. It's just a corridor of interest.
0: Yeah, it's a corridor. Yeah, exactly. Corridor of interest based on surface sampling. so either soils or rocks, um, in the area that that had grades. Okay. So we kind of outlined this envelope and then we were trying to figure out within that envelope, what was explaining the mineralization and this contact went right through the center of that envelope. It outcropped at the road up here, outcropped there. And we said, okay, let's drill those targets. And then we also had a an area in here that had some working so we could see the contact. I can't see your mouse. Oh, yeah, right I, can I can now I can now. Yeah, there we go. So in 2021, we went in and we drilled along the road right at those intersection points where that contact was. So that that yellow line is where the contact is dashed or equals inferred where we don't have no geological context of where exactly where it is at surface and And we are drilling off the road on this. This is all skid-based drilling. Uh, We're just pushing the the machine around with a bulldozer and it's all holding together now. We've now shown that there's about a 700 meter strike length over the system. This huge hit up here, 34 grams over almost 12 meters up in the north end, that is drilled off of the road and that intercept is only about 30 meters from vertical, uh, from the vertical surface. And same to the south, the four grams over almost 12 meters once again from vertical surface, about 25, 30 meters. So this, the model was then holding up. This is kind of when we realized we had a discovery of something that was new in the area and a new way to test it.
1: Um, can I just ask, is, is, this? are, are these um, andesites and sediments within this the, the Stahini kind of volcano sedimentary package?
0: Uh, they're in the Hazelton, uh, which is so the, above the Stahini. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So we are we're in the Lower Hazelton. Uh, they're both members of the Lower Hazelton, uh, the Andesite and the Siltstone. Okay. And the nature of the contact is still something we're sorting out. Whether it's conformable or unconformable or fault controlled, okay. it's uh, it's a bit nebulous just because of the fluids that have been pumped in. Some areas are definitely faulted, but some I would argue are conformable. But it's a and and good the geological discussion
1: and 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 the, the mineralizing fluids how, what what does it come with i mean you said that in your initial um drill hole it wasn't in the veining it was actually in the kind of the, the dark chloride i mean can you see the mineralization on this contact or do you use the the the, the rock changes to kind of um drive your sampling or are you, are
0: you still sampling the whole thing we're still sampling the whole thing um we do see when, that the rock change is the most vital point is when we change from the andesite to the siltstone. You do get um, you get veining at that contact occasionally. You get the disseminated style mineralization now that we've stepped out along the structure. In the very north end of the structure we do get visible gold but during this that's only for the first you know couple hundred meters to that top section. Everything else there's no visible gold which is very common for Scotty as well. Visible gold was very rare. It's very fine disseminated gold. Um, the the contact most of the mineralization occurs in the andesite um I would say be it's about an 80 to 20 ratio and it seems to have a wider halo in the andesite and it's a tighter contact in the siltstone which makes sense rheologically and, yeah. and in terms of permeability um, I think existing fractures in the siltstone allowed it to extend in there because we get we get appreciable concentrations of it in the siltstone yeah. but it's around that contact that we're always targeting and that we are using to guide our drilling. Yeah. Now I should say that as we've drilled, we've discovered that there's more veins like the blueberry vein at a very at, at parallel orientations, but they're much smaller. And it's the intersections of those with the contact that also seem to have higher grades or wider widths in the, along the structure that we've discovered. Gotcha. Yeah. So this was where we ended off at 2021. Um, we had strike length potential. We knew that we were gonna lose the contact to the north. There is a fault identified in regional geology. We had it in geophysics, but we didn't know if it was 25 meters north of this or hundred meters north of this. It was kind of a bit variable. Uh, but to the south, we dive under a historic lake bed. So the lake just south of us was along the Scotty Gold Mine. Um, and it was backed up in the 80s by a large glacier, the Salmon Glacier. Now that glacier retreated so much that the lake entirely drained out. Uh, So now the lake bed is dry and you can you can drive on it. Uh, There's an exploration trail but we lose the contact under there so we don't know exactly where it is. It did outcrop on the opposite shore and then we explored that. So this next slide I'll show you is uh, kind of the latest results that we have from the exploration that we did in 2022. So that first 700 meters is here that we just showed. You can see the contact goes under that part of the lake bed where we don't We can't see the contact. We did catch the contact on the other opposite shoreline where we intersect another one of these cross structures called the uh, C and D zone. And then that extends further to the south. And then we lose the contact once again, back under the lake bed. And this pile here, this orange reddish pile is the historic tailings from the Scotty gold mine production. Um, Can you pick up that contact through geophysics? Yes. So we've done IP and 3D IP, and we've also done loop EM. So the 3D IP works really well at identifying the contact, that contrast between the siltstone and the andesite. And loop EM, like ground-based EM, does a very good job at identifying where the, these sulfide-rich cross structures hit. So the kind of combination of those two techniques has been the most instrumental targeting tool in terms of geophysics for us to identify mineralization. And um, what about the extensions to the south? Was that the program for this year? That would be the program for this year. So I, I do have a slide that'll i talk about that, um, but that we've got another about six or 700 meters of strike length to the south before our, our um, contact runs onto new crest property. Okay. <laughs> so there was a little bit of geological sand. We, we had some limited outcrops here that we sampled. Uh, we did this loop EM survey to identify some cross structures. So we've got a good idea where it goes. We know where it crosses the road again down here. So we've got another six or 700 meters of strike length to explore this this coming season that hasn't been tested. We did discover where that fault uh, to the north is, and we've got an idea of its displacement. And we have mapped out parts of the contact up here. Um, the, the, The ground control is poor, and there's an intrusion right at the contact in the southern end that complicates it. But there's a very large golden soil anomaly up in this area that we've been targeting as well that may be associated. Um, this is another one of these appear type pyrite-rich veins called the Ben vein that outcrops at surface and it's got exceptional grades uh, but the expansion potential is somewhat limited. We drilled it in 2019 and we hit four grams over 70 meters in a confirmatory hole so high grade system but trying to look at how does this become bigger for us
1: interesting and what um to to the in in that zone to the east of the bend and the stockwork you've got a couple of drill holes from
0: 2022 what did they show they haven't been released yet um you know the ones that we had in 2021 which would be just under here okay. had some very long intercepts of low-grade mineralization um which is interesting and suggestive of maybe that we're from closer to some sort of Intrusion related source.
1: Uh, low grade. Um, as a deposit type. Low grade um, in terms of um, um,
0: golden triangle or low grade in terms of gl- gl- global averages? I would say global averages and I mean certainly golden triangle. Things like, you know, 125 meters of 0.2 gold. Okay. Which is. Anomalous. Certainly anomalous, interesting, not economic at this point, but could be a vectoring tool to something else. Um, and so we don't see a lot of epithermal textures in the vein systems or along the contact um based on the puritite and some other features an intrusion related gold system seems to be the the as a large scale model to to pursue um and how that's related to any porphyry potential in the area it could it could be an interesting feature
1: yeah, and uh your, uh you did seventeen thousand meters of drilling last year, I believe. And yep. what's your um, wish list? Yeah, I mean, you, you must speak to Brad. I, I mean, budgets aside, but what, you, what would you like to do yep. uh, in 2022? So
0: if I, if I go back, yeah, so if I go back one slide, so this is the long section that we've been publishing most of our recent data on. Uh, this is that original 700 meters of strike length and the model that we created from 2021. And then the results that we've been putting out over the last few months uh, from the 2022 program and their relative position. You know, we'll go back in and remodel this. Um, you know, one of the things we are trying to do is show that there's not just some high grade shoots, that these kind of th- these, these things fill in as more of a panel. Um, we've extended it down to about 400 meters in, in depth and the strike length now is well over 1500 meters. So we've doubled the strike length of the system. We've got some big holes to fill in. So like areas under the lake bed or areas in here, as well as at depth along here. And then also seeing how deep this system goes. I think the way that somebody would look at this uh, from people that we've talked to is you know, mineralization is high grade, it outcrops at surface, there's uh, a case to be made for a small, shallow, open pit to start off this and then go underground after that, uh, given the, the grades and the width that there. I think we are at the point that we need to show that there's capacity for a deposit that's substantially larger than what we have now and the way we do that is by stepping out instead of doing infill drilling the cost of capital is kind of our our limiting feature right now on how much money we can raise with the dilution to the existing shareholders yeah so what we're planning right now is a a program on the order of 20 to 25,000 meters um really focused on expansion uh and, and infill not at a resource level, but in a model type metal yeah, you, that you, we are able to show continuity.
1: You, you, you need to have an um, internally consistent kind or of, um, uh, a, a, an envelope that you're comfortable uh, with even if it doesn't meet NI43-101 criteria.
0: Exactly. And the step outs that we made this year were mostly on the order of you know 60 to 120 meters, uh, quite aggressive step outs. And the consistency that we were hitting the high grade mineralization does reaffirm a lot of that for us but there's additional drilling obviously to be done to kind of show that this continues over the the length of the structure that we've identified now
1: and, and it's it's what's particularly encouraging is the is the width of it um well mm-hmm. i mean it, it's, it's now, two I, things it's it's not just width it's, it's it's
0: grade and width which is such a powerful yes. combination yeah and i would say that when you're looking at these like because we have these two intersecting or styles. So you have the vein style and the disseminated style at the contact, and those are oblique to each other. Us modeling it will have a better control on it this year, but we've, it's hard to come up with a true width of the structure at this point. Um, My best guess is we're in the order of true thickness is around 70% of the true thickness of the structure. And given the way that we drill it, um, we're not, perfectly perpendicular to the contact and we're not perfectly perpendicular to the the, the veins just because we're kind of splitting hairs on trying to maximize both of them. Yeah. So I, I would say around 70% uh, true width on, on many of these structures that we're drilling, but that's on a drill hole by drill hole basis as well. And
1: so, I mean, just looking at that page there, if you did an kind of arithmetic mean and you took 17% of that, uh, 70%, you'd be somewhere between five and 10 meters.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair. Um,
1: interesting. You, you, when you've got good grades, if it's 10 grams a ton, you can, you can rack up the ounces quite quickly when you come to a um, yes. a, a thickness yep. of, of something between five and 10 meters. Mm-hmm. Um, and talking about the cost of capital, in a sense, it slightly depends on the quality of your shareholder register, because if you can go back to your own shareholder register and get the capital you need for that, the 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 price is less of an issue
0: yeah and that's what our our focus has been over the last two years has been really building an institutional shareholder base and keep going back to them to to kind of partner with people instead of just uh, pushing the story and what is that base looking like
1: at the moment I mean how much of the register um, is kind of represented by people that could potentially fund it again
0: yeah, in the order of forty-five, fifty percent um, is is very clear that those are, those are partners that we could collaborate with again on another financing to to kind of increase this again. Um, yeah, and uh, in terms of the kind of allocation of the capital,
1: so um, presumably the vast majority would go to uh, filling in the gaps on from the from the fault down to the boundary with um, Newcrest, and then a small amount would be spent in the northeast trying to. Uh, trying to prove a
0: concept at low cost. Yeah, exactly. I I think as we kind of mentioned before and we were talking about is there's certain need for continued exploration on far field targets at the same time. Like we have an exceptional land package with a lot of high grade showings. Um, This is by far the one that's progressing the fastest and holding together very well. But there's a certain portion of drilling that every year we allocate to new targets that we haven't advanced before. So that's in the order of five to 10% of that. And then there's a little bit that are kind of ancillary targets to the blueberry uh, contact zone. So last year we drilled the C and D zones, which turned out to be very well. And then like you mentioned, the Northern extension above the the post mineral fault uh, as well would be a a target that we do that. So 75, 80% of the holes are gonna go into blueberry as per that long section that I showed you and that Southern extension. And then in the order of 20% are gonna be between, you know, far field, new drilling locations and then kind of peripheral targets that kind of connect to the Blueberry contact zone.
1: And what about the catalyst? You know, when, when um, I know everybody would like to have money in the bank, but you know, when when's the,
0: what's the news flow looking like as, as far as you can see? We've got just a couple news releases, I think, left to del- deliver for Scott, for the Blueberry area. So we're going to have most of our news out here before the end of, Month. I guess it's February 1st today. So by the end of the month, we'll have all our news releases out on Blueberry. We'll be remodeling it and kind of pushing out what our exploration plan is. What do those holes look like? What do we, you know, really uh, hope to achieve this year? Um, we'll be completing a financing sometime in, in this uh in this early winter um to outline that this how we're gonna drill, what we what we've set out to drill. And after that, I mean the it's the build up to the drill program itself. So we're drilling probably mid to late June this year. That's the lower than average snowpack as we're seeing right now. In the area, we've got some catalysts going on. So ASCOT's now fully funded for execution to complete their mill and to start production. So within around 12 months from now, they should be pouring gold. And that's a, that's a big catalyst for the region for us. Uh, obviously ASCOT's geographically close to us, but they're also planning to operate a hub and spoke model and right now they've you know projected about a nine year mine life and we are on the same haul road as them. So there's an obvious potential there uh, for something to happen, uh, either viewed as a merger between them um, or just kind of a, a pathway to economic success for us. And given that, you know, we've got, we've got a bunch of ore, we are at the point now where we think we're going to be a standalone entity. But it's always going to make more financial sense to push that ore through an existing mill than to build a new mill up at site. Yeah. Gotcha. Um,
1: and no. Um, sorry. And how long is your your drilling window? So t- you said mid-June. Um, w-
0: when do things freeze up again and um, they everybody really pack up for the winter? So we've been operating from basically mid to late June till mid to late August or October. Sorry. Um, now, that said, like our, our our drilling season has been limited based on good weather, and we've only been operating snow free uh, to lower our drill costs, just given the kind of the tight capital structure that we've been operating with. If you look at other neighbors around us, you've got Skeena and Tudor who operate throughout the winter, um, but there's a there's a premium to be paid for that. And so our drill costs would go up substantially, but we could have a longer window if capital wasn't the biggest concern for us. Right now, I think we have some of the lowest numbers for drill, all in drill costs in the golden triangle, uh, given that we're road accessible, that almost all of our drilling is skid based, um, and that we've just kind of managed the money very well from that aspect. So you don't heli support. We have very few heli supported holes. Yeah. We had a machine on, on, uh, on use last year for just about a month, uh, which we use for field work and a few drill holes, but skid based drilling is our our majority of holes drilled with that. Great. And in terms of um,
1: that conversation, going back to kind of trying to put an internal envelope around it and, and the the kind of approaching a resource, uh, presumably as long as you can keep um, demonstrating the potential of the project, you're in, you're in no particular rush to, 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 dare I say, limit things limit or kind of to anchor people's cognitive bias with a with a with a fixed number from a first resource.
0: Yes, that's exactly our concern. It would cost us, you know, what we've identified so far to drill that off to inferred with a bit of indicated in it would be a significant amount of money that we could push towards showing that this thing is the potential to be two or three times larger than that. So that's where we see the value add for our shareholders at this point. At some point, people are going to want to know exactly how many ounces are in here and and what that looks like. But as as long as we're expanding as quickly as we've been doing over the last few years, the shareholders that we have now all agree that let's show how big this is. Um, Our target, you know, 18 months ago was looking for something that's in the order of a million ounces and the results have been so successful this year that we've significantly up that target. Now we're targeting something, targeting something much larger.
1: Uh, Do you see any activity, uh, has the work that you've done on your contact zone uh, piqued the interest of Newcrest uh, to the south? Have you seen them doing exploration work as a a function of the success you've had? We haven't.
0: Um, I think this is the first year that we showed that it went directly under their tenure. Now, Predium, the predecessor to, to the Bruce Jack asset and what Newcrest purchased, Uh, had worked on that same area and inadvertently had crossed the contact and found mineralization around the contact drilling it. They had found an 80 gram per ton sample. um, I guess it would be a few hundred meters south of where the contact hits their kind of property boundary. And they drilled that in 2018, um, called their Bluffy target. And they found a little bit of mineralization, but it was enough to push the envelope on on their end. Um, So they've kind of sat on it I would I would think that there would be a target they would want to follow up this year, given that now we've got like a geological model. And the way that they had drilled it the year before, they were targeting something that was more east-west oriented, basically the extension of the Scotty system across the valley towards them, uh, versus something that was north-south. So just the way they drilled it, the, the the manner they explored it, like we've kind of worked out the kinks on how to explore this contact zone. I think it would be a pretty straightforward process for Newcrest to kind of target it using in the same methodology that we have. It kind of depends on what their priorities are, what else they've got on their plate. And, and I understand they have a, quite a bit on their plate and I think their their big focus right now is just to increase the mine life at, at the Bruce Jack. Good. Thomas,
1: thank you very much. Um I look forward to uh, seeing the, the the news flow coming out, uh, the, a couple more releases in February uh, and then... D- the modeling and the the plan for the year and i th- i think the, the the critical factor really i mean your market capitalization is um sorry of remind me what it is i've got it at the top here uh it's uh it's in the low mid 60s um and you know for 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 it to really kind of go on a tear you kind of need to be fun financed and get and have kind of that that runway yes both both in terms of geological potential and also the capital to with which to do it
0: yeah
1: yeah i agree so um good luck in getting that um in the door okay thanks merlin look forward to catching up with in the future when you got when we got um even more to talk about excellent look forward to it as well